listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey, everybody. Seth and Ryan are back with the Lead Defend podcast, and we have two wonderful guests with us. We've got Cole Pinnock, the BCM director at the University of Arkansas, and we have Tyler Hoffpower, the BCM director at the University of Arkansas State University. So I said that all wrong, but uh, <laughs> Arkansas State <laughs> University. I'm oh. from the other corner of the state, man. I, I, wow. I wasn't really familiar with you all, but... Awkward. I know. Hey, oh, my well, goodness. Uh, you called your ex-girlfriend's name <laughs> to your girlfriend <laughs> said hey hey today we're actually talking about hot topics not hot topic the store yeah. um though is that cold, even still a thing is it i it don't is. know i it haven't is. been in a mall in 10 years <laughs> oh that's fair mall still um, exists i just buy everything on amazon weird well the first hot topic we really want to talk about uh u of a and arkansas state why have they not scheduled a football game yet well uh arkansas state's ready to play so uh cole i'm going to defer that to you i didn't know that y'all played football oh awkward so that, that is good to know I'll pass that word along that y'all might be interested oh. in playing. <laughs> okay. I think you're scared. But well, now yeah, that no, the, we're absolutely terrified. Now that the hot topics have started, uh, we're, we're just going to talk about some big things that are prevalent on college campuses specifically, and they work their ways both directions, young adulthood and into high school students. Maybe the place to start is about Razorback football. That's caused a lot of anxiety, mental health, mm. maybe issues. But but seriously, let's talk about mental health because that's something that in our generation, millennials, Gen Z, has been elevated maybe more so than ever. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think not only are more people dealing with it, but more people are aware of it and know how to talk about it. And so I think that's created all sorts of new avenues, but also new problems for us to have to discuss on campus. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's kind of sensualized. Like people just are so more aware of it. Uh, maybe maybe there's not more mental health issues than there used to be, but it's becoming more okay to say or to to kind of put that out there that hey, I, I'm struggling with something. Hey, this is this is hard for me, right? And so mm. whenever that happens, then as the church, we got to figure out. Okay, well now what do we do with this? Yeah, that's a good word. I think people are more open about their struggles that used to they would hide or deal with and never speak to anyone, which is a good place, but it also means that we have a place now to extend love and care, whereas maybe we had never had the opportunity before. Yeah, I think there's uh, a move in our culture towards we want to be real, we want to be authentic, you know, whether it's social media or otherwise, and so that leads us to one to go, like, I got I to gotta tell someone about this junk in my life, and, and you know, I feel bad, and I, I feel down. I, that, that is a real positive. I think also what that leads us to is oftentimes we wallow in it or, or feel not wallow. Yes, wallow, but also can get stuck in it. Wow. Um, even when it's not really a choice of ours, we're just we're, we're stuck there. We don't have the avenues to climb out of it because we felt the need to express it. But now we don't know what to do with it. Absolutely. So because we're talking pretty broadly about these issues, when someone feels like they are having a moment of anxiety, uh, mental health issues, depression, maybe that they've never dealt with before, what are some first steps for that individual? Yeah, I would say number one is you do need to talk about it, but you need to talk about it. What I find with students is, is sometimes we like to talk about it, but we don't like to, to actually seek help in that. Wow. So, so you need to like yeah. find somebody that knows what they're doing and maybe can help you process through some of these things as you go. And I think it's really, really important for us to say, 
if you're dealing with depression, anxiety, um, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, no. like that is not wrong. That is not bad. In, in fact, that's something that we want to see you uh, work through and process with mm -hmm. someone else who, who can really be an advocate for you in the middle of that season. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you're dealing with those kind of things, please, please talk to someone. Whether you call a hotline or you, you download an app and you start to text someone or you just go find your pastor or your campus minister and, and chat with them about it, please, please do that. And, you know, as Ryan was saying, this, there's no sin or shame associated with this. Yeah. We want you to know that, um, yes, we live in a broken world and sometimes the effect of that broken world, hmm. sometimes the effects of how people have sinned against us or how we have sinned in other ways, yeah, absolutely affect this, but don't be looking for a silver bullet that if I can just find the reason that I'm dealing with and solve that one thing, all this will go away. Almost always mental health issues are super complicated and, and affect so many different avenues and areas of our life that you're not going to be able to just unpack it with, with one thing. So that probably there's going to need to be uh, medicine involved, you know, health, other health issues like diet and exercise, just time with people, time processing those things. So you absolutely can't do that alone. Yeah, I think sometimes we think we can kind of pray that away, right? But we also wow. have to understand yeah. how God has given us community and, and kind of the benefits of how that can play out in our life. So God God has given you people in the church, Christian friends to put around you. Uh, he, he has gifted people uh, in the medical field that can, that can be that for you and can kind of help you process through that and go through that journey. Yeah, depression, depression anxiety are, are not just are not just spiritual things. They're also emotional things and chemical things, and, and you don't need to downplay or even relegate that to just saying it's a spiritual solution all the time. Yeah, That's and right. I think also the, the flip side is, is sometimes we make the mistake of thinking it's not a spiritual thing at all. Yeah. It's yeah. only physical or chemical or emotional or whatever else, and I think it's best to see it holistically. You know, in my own experience, I started dealing with depression about four years ago and was able to recognize it through some, a series of things that came up in my life. And I really wanted to just solve it with one thing. Yeah. If I could just take a pill or just change this thing in my diet or just go back and correct this mistake that I had made, then my depression would go away. Mm. And that, that's not how that works. And so, you know, and we may be, you know, defining some terms here. When we talk about depression, we, in some ways we just mean like, you don't feel like you anymore. You know, it doesn't just mean that you feel down. It doesn't mean that you cry all the time. Those may be factors. That wasn't it for me. I've described my own depression as I felt like a phone that could no longer hold a charge. So as wow. long as it felt, as long as I was doing the thing that made it feel plugged in, like even this right now, mm -hmm. I feel plugged in. Uh, I feel like I'm working at top speed. But when I'm away from those things, I feel like a phone that's unplugged and my battery just dies. So that's what depression started to look like for me. And I've been able to tackle that in a lot of different ways. Anxiety is more where not just that you worry or that you have fears um it's that those fears control you and then yeah. they they overwhelm you and they they supersede they become the lens in which you look at all the rest of life and so a helpful example for me would be you know it'd be one thing to be like hey i see a bear outside my house i'm not going outside uh that's that's rational that's okay you can even hear that there's a bear in the neighborhood and choose not to go out for that afternoon because that could be dangerous yeah but because you live in Arkansas and you know that bears live in Arkansas and you choose never to leave your home because there could be bears outside, that's anxiety. That's moved into a different realm. That's a good word. Thank you for qualifying that. And I want to kind of wrap up the mental health conversation to get to the next hot topic with this. Most people are not mental health professionals. We, we want folks to go see mental health professionals when it when it's that time, but most people are not. So you have a friend dealing with one of these things or you are dealing with one of these things. What is the first practical step? 
Well, I think for, for me, what we always recommend is uh, for them to see a counselor. And we have churches in our area that will do counseling for free. But also, if you're a college student, and I know a lot of folks listening to this podcast are college students, almost always you can get maybe like 10 free sessions a semester or 10 free sessions maybe a year at your university for free. Um, and, and somebody can kind of walk through that. Um, one of the things that I always say about myself is like, I'm not going to try to, to be your counselor because that's beyond my competency, right? Yeah. Like that's not, that's not what God has called me to be is to be you know, a mental health professional. Yep. And so uh, y- you need somebody that can help you in that area. Absolutely. I would, I would add in on, on all of this conversation that, as, as Cole was alluding to and spoke on, is that there's different varieties of, of depression, anxiety, and, and fear. It looks differently. And, and with that, um, we need to remember that, that it might not sound like depression to somebody else, yeah. but, but you need to talk to somebody about something that is changing the way that you live your life. I, mine looked more like anger. Uh, wow. I, I expressed my depression for a year and a half through anger. I didn't want to hurt myself. I wanted to hurt someone else. Yeah. And and so it was one of those moments where I had to to, to understand what reality once looked like, and, and try to see that I was way off from where I should have been. And uh, and so I talked to a therapist. I found help. And and you know it's not something that's taboo nowadays. Um, one thing I'd add is I, I've heard that where one day companies hired based on uh, you know your intelligence quotient, your IQ. Uh, there is there is a push nowadays that they will be hiring more for your emotional quotient, your EQ. And so it is important for you all as young adults right now to try to seek health in your emotional and 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 your your you know your your brain and just finding health in in that depression and anxiety and fear because because that's what's going to lead to a healthier future for you as well. Yeah, I would say. Um just going off those lines, like, you know yourself and your body best. Like, nobody knows that better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also the best at deceiving ourselves. Hey, that's, so wow. you got you to gotta kind of process those things. But you got to kind of take a real self-evaluation and say, okay, what, what inside of me is happening right now? What inside my mind? What inside of my body? What am I feeling? What, you got to process through those things. And, and if you feel like something's off, you got to be honest with yourself. And you got to say, okay, well, now it's time for me to, to figure out how do we move forward in that journey. Okay, so the next hot topic is sexual identity, and that's something that has been elevated uh, in our culture recently, and in fact, maybe more celebrated um, is the right way to say it. Um, And so, how does a Christian on a college campus, high school student, young adult, how do they respond in the midst of a sexually confused culture? That's probably the best way to say it, right? Sexually confused. Well, I think the reality is this God has made us sexual beings. That's true. We don't want to uh, ignore that. We don't want to uh, uh, sh- create shame or, or misunderstanding around those things. And simultaneously, we also know that Scripture tells us that we can't completely trust ourselves wow. in, in that in so many other areas. And so when we depart, when we have this conversation and we separate it from the sensitivity and the the often the very personal realities of what our sexuality is, we, we can separate that conversation. We talk about, well, how I feel about other things in my life. I, I know not to trust myself completely, fully. I want to understand it and I want to apply truth to it. I can, I can do that in other areas, but sometimes with our sexuality, it's so personal. It feels so intrinsic to who we are that we, we have trouble separating those two things, but it can be helpful to kind of step back and say, yes, I am a sexual creature. Yes, God has made sex in beautiful ways. 
and I can't completely fully trust my own understanding of what, what wells up from within me to be pure and exactly what needs to what I need to follow. That's yeah. a good word. Yeah, I would add on to that. So as you're trying to, to search for, well, what is truth? Like, one of the questions that I think we have to come to terms with is, is do we believe what the Bible says? Yeah. Like, and, and if we kind of read through Scripture and we kind of, like, begin to understand what's right and what's wrong sexually, uh, and I think a lot of times, like, when we're coming across this, uh, one thing that I encounter with students a lot is this, this question of, like, okay, well, I have a friend who identifies as homosexual, right? Or I have a friend that identifies uh, as this, um, and, and now all of a sudden the truth that I've seen in Scripture is pitted against the reality that I see in life. And so I've got to I've got to make a choice here of saying, okay, which one of these am I going to hold to? Which one of these is going to be the thing that you know? Like, am I going to am I going to say, well, truth is, is kind of relative, and truth is kind of like this thing that, that can change, and it's it, you know if it's true for you, yeah. you know, or not for me, or that kind of thing? Or am I going to say, okay, I, I honestly believe the Bible. I honestly believe that, that God is smarter than me, and some of that's like our pride swelling up and saying, like, "Okay, no, I got this. Like, I can, I can do this, right?" Um, um, but if we believe that, then now we've got to figure out, okay, how do we interact with humans who like, okay, their truth is is not what God's truth is, and how do we rectify those things? And that's kind of the wow. rub that I see a lot with with students is all of a sudden, okay, yeah, I do believe that the Bible says, okay, this behavior is wrong, but at the same time, I don't know how to talk to my friends about it. Yeah, because yeah. it's somebody that they care about. It's a deeply personal relationship here pitted against uh, the, the truth that, that is coming from the Word of God that they've always been told to believe, that they've always believed. And when it doesn't line up, we tend to lean, because our culture leans, towards this personal relationship more so than a yeah. grounded truth. And and I, it, the whole the whole big deal is, is relationship is... is is something that we think can be won and lost based upon being in agreement with each other. Absolutely. Oh, that, that's great. And, and, and so oftentimes our friendships are destroyed because we think to disagree means dislove or disaffection for one yes, another. Absolutely. And so let me ask this question. Let's say a student or a young adult has a friend who comes out of the closet or sexually identifies in a way that uh, we would say is not congruent with Scripture. So what are healthy responses as a friend to that individual? I think circumstances can vary here, but I think one, if it's, if you're the first person that they've come out to, or they've come out to a very small, it's like, I, that's a really personal uh, thing that they've been willing to share with you. You should, you should be humbled by that um, yeah. in a weird, weird, not weird. Yeah. Yeah. But you should be honored that they would share that with you, and then you should love them well in that. Maybe even thank yeah. them that they would share, even if you'd say, I, I don't understand that, or I, I don't know how I feel about that, or I don't know that, that I think the Bible condones that, but I'm so grateful that you would talk to me about that. Now, then if they're a believer, if they would say, oh, I, I'm a Christ follower, and I, then I would say, okay, well, then let's unpack this, and let's talk through this, and what does this look like, and let's read good books together, and let's, and this will not, this that moment of them sharing that single conversation with you, that them coming out of the closet, was maybe one conversation, but it's been millions of conversations inside their own head yeah. uh, for years. And so uh, any kind of movement that, that you're going to see in them is not going to come from one more conversation. It's going to come from probably dozens, if not millions, more conversations between the two of you and in their own head. 
And so you just want to walk walk through that well with them, remembering that you know one of the most important truths that the Bible tells us is that that person is made in God's image. Absolutely. And as an image bearer, uh, whatever that looks like on the outside, uh, they're internally they are an image bearer, and so we love them as Christ loves them, and we want to lead them. Uh, towards what we think is their greatest good, which is trusting in Christ as their Lord and Savior, no matter what their particular temptations or bend or, or problems might be. And I think this is an important concept in that that as believers, we want to love everybody and extend God's hand of love to everyone. But sometimes that means you draw a, lo- a line of affirmation. So how do you love well without affirming patterns of behavior? Is, is, that, a, is that a right question to ask? Yeah, I think the question... Or, or the way that it often was posed to me whenever I was growing up was like, how do you how do you love the sinner and hate the sin, right? That's kind of the, the kind of concept that we're talking about. Like, but how do we do that? Well, well, part of it is is kind of understanding, like, love is not always saying yes. Sometimes it's saying no, and so sometimes what we have to kind of kind of process through there is like, hey, I love you enough to tell you the hard truth. Yeah, I, I love you enough to say, hey, this thing is not right. Okay, uh, but then also we have to come from a perspective of saying, "Hey, this is not what I'm saying. This is what Scripture's saying, right?" Yeah. So, so we got to point them back to Jesus and point them back to God and say, "Okay, like, who who's the authority here? Like, I'm not the authority. I'm not the one that's telling you how to live your life. I'm not the one that's doing this. But, but do you believe in God? If you're a believer, and I think that's the rub. Like, if yeah. you're if you're not a believer, like, and you're living in sin, like, I'm not mad at you. Like, you don't know any better, right? Yeah, we don't expect." people who don't believe in Jesus yeah. to act like they believe in Jesus. It, it's 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, all right? There's sin in the midst of the church. There's sexual sin. And Paul says, cast that person from your midst. But then he goes on and he says, here's this list of sins, sexual, immoral, greedy, drunkards. And he says, I'm not telling you to avoid such people if they are outside the church. God will judge those that are outside the church. He says, those are that are within the church is who you need to judge. And I think when we when the church points its finger at, at people that have struggles with sexual identity or homosexuality, they're pointing at those outside the church, which is not who we're to judge. And that's why we have a bad face in the, in the world. And, and I think that's something that, that, that we've, we've told young people is, listen, you can't be around these people. When the truth is, God, Jesus Christ came for those people. Right. He came for all of us, and, he, and Paul even says in this passage, he says, such were some of you. You wow. were once yeah. the sexually immoral, the greedy, the drunkards. You probably still are in many ways the sexually immoral, the greedy, the drunkards. And, and so we, we need to come from is this understanding of who are we supposed to address the sin with? It's actually those inside the church well, and, and ourselves before we address and, it with them. And I think to kind of put a, a close on, on this topic is— it, it is incredibly possible to love well yeah. without having to affirm a pattern that is inconsistent with Scripture. If you want a really great book on that, uh, Preston Sprinkle's People to be Loved is excellent. does an excellent job of unpacking yeah. this, as well as Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Alberry. Yep. Both are fantastic, easy reads. Anyone listening to this could pick those up and be incredibly helped. That's great. That's yeah. great. I would just say my last comment on it is, we have to be careful that we, we don't offer people just condemnation, but yep. we also offer them a path to a brighter yes. future. Oh, so good. So good. Jesus came so that you could have life and have it abundantly. That's not just an eternity. That's here. That's now. Um, this is such a political issue also. Um, and so let's talk about that. 
politics is a hot button thing, maybe in these years more so than ever before, or hopefully ever after. And so how do we as Christians who are in a culture, in a world that's politically engaged, engage well, but engage lovingly without drawing divisive lines? That's big. So polarization, I think, is the big deal. The problem also becomes whenever the church takes stances on one of those poles, right? So, like, hey, we're super red or we're super blue. Like, I'm, I'm like, our, like, if you want to be a Christian, then you got to be a Republican, or if you want to be a Christian, then you got to be a Democrat. I think part of what we have to figure out is as we read Scripture and we look at Jesus and we look at his models of things, like, there seem to be principles on both sides of the of, yeah. the, of the aisle right mm-hmm. uh, that are christian principles like loving yeah. the poor was something that jesus really talked about right yeah, uh, yeah. he really also liked pro-life and and yeah. so like anti-abortion is, is something probably that, yeah. that jesus would have voted for okay yeah but at he the same time for the rights of the oppressed and the the those that have been mistreated and unjustly and yet he also says that here's the way that sexuality is supposed to take place so i mean that's it. exactly but then you also have what like the opposite tied in, right? So, like, you got homosexuality, which is kind of tied into one party or the other, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, like, how, how do we how do we deal with that? And I think that there's not really ever a perfect answer, you know. I think in our world, a lot of times, uh, as Christians, I, as a Christian, I always feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm picking the lesser of two evils. I'm not I'm not picking like a great candidate, you know what I'm saying? And so, uh, I, I think just trying to figure out and navigate that is, is really difficult. And I don't know that I have a great answer. Um, it's, it's just kind of keeping a well-rounded mindset. What, what I think is I think what we've got our, the wrong lenses on, okay? Mm-hmm. We view our, our spirituality and our, and our faith through the lens of our political stance versus seeing our political stance through the lens of our faith. Oh, wow. And so yeah. um, we're constantly letting where our political leanings go decide what we believe what the Word of God is saying. That's big. That's good. I, I think... Uh, it's important to know that your political stance is a part of you, but it doesn't have to drive every relationship, every conversation in this world where it seems to do that. It seems to be the thing that we lead off with, at least on social media. You can be more bombastic and argumentative. Uh, my policy is don't be unnecessarily divisive. There's a time to come in with hard truth, but most of life doesn't involve those hard times. Yeah, I think that's big. I think uh, here's the thing that we got to be about as Christians. We got to be about the gospel going forth, right? Yeah. That's our primary agenda. Like, yeah. like Jesus' primary agenda was not like be a Republican, be a Democrat. His primary task for us was to go and to make disciples, right? So, so falling like super hard on one of these poles uh, in the political spectrum is often so divisive that you lose your ability and your platform to minister to people and to and to love people and to share Jesus with people. Yep. All right, let's give Cole the closing word, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I think um, not being divisive, not being quarrelsome, being even-handed and steady, those are, are marks of the Christian. I think the chief mark of, of the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the second mark is self-control. And so when we're talking about whether it's talking about our, our sexuality, when it's talking about depression and anxiety, when, it's talking, when we're talking about any of these conversations, how we handle ourselves online in front of other people, a fruit of the spirit is self-control. Yeah. And are you are you working to control the parts of yourself that want to take control, that want to upend the order in which God has uh, set for us in Scripture, and whether it's all the way back to the creation or or what we understand from the gospel? And when we're doing that, I, so much 
will fall into place. Yeah. I love working with Cole. I love working with Tyler. Uh, man, it's so fun when us BCM guys get together. One of the ways that you can get together with college students, young adults, and students from all across the state is on Leap Day 2020, February 29th, Lead Defend. Make sure you check it out, leaddefend.org, and we will see you there and catch you next time. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. Do you want to grow deeper in your walk with Christ? Then the Lead Defend Conference is for you. It takes place on February the 29th at the Amando Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. This year we have dynamic speakers like Robbie Zacharias to bring us words of wisdom and encouragement in a broken and run-down world. The cost is $30 and you can register online at www.leaddefend.org or talk with your BCM director or youth minister at your church. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.